when uh, Pastor Tommy shared with me that he was going to be gone today and asked me if I would share a few thoughts for a few moments with you this morning, I thought of a story that I'd heard about a congregation whose pastor needed to be gone, and someone had recommended a pastor that they knew of that was kind of between jobs, and he came in on that day and spoke, and after the service, as was customary, he went to the back of the church as, was, as the people filed out where they were greetings and shaking hands and so forth. And this pastor uh, noticed a young man very anxious to, to get up to, it looked like just to come and greet him. And so he was kind of had his eye on him as the crowd was part, departing there from the church. And pretty soon this little boy got up to him and he re- the pastor reached out his hand to shake hands, but instead of opening his hand to shake, sand, shake hands, he had a quarter in it. And the pastor said, young man, you don't need, you could have put that quarter into the uh, offering. Uh, you, you didn't really need to bring it up to me. And he said, well, I know that. But he said, I heard some people talking uh, a while ago, and they were saying that, you may have been one of the poorest preachers that we've had speak to us in the, in the very past, and maybe, for, maybe ever. So my hope for you to this morning is that our time together doesn't turn out to be like that. <laughs> uh, I was speaking with a young man who had made the military his career, and uh, he was wanting to achieve all that he could, and they had one particular uh, program that he was very interested in. It was an endurance uh, contest, basically, of strength and endurance, and it was, uh, I think, 12 miles or something, and lots of obstacles and so forth that um, created a very, very demanding um, course. And so he made it a goal long before he uh, was to participate, he began training in earnest, watching his diet, lifting weights, running, all the things that one does when thinking about a, uh, an event like this. And the thing about this contest was, yes, it was timed. Yes, there were medals. But the honor was not necessarily in that It was an honor just to be able to finish this course. And that was the goal that this young man had set for himself. He said, I just wanted to finish this course. He said, and the day came and he was in the event and he was giving everything he had and then some. And finally, at long last, he made it to the place where you could actually look and see the finish line. And, but as he looked back down, he told me that there was darkness and he couldn't see his feet. He, all he saw was shadows that were moving. And this wave of disappointment swept over him. He had worked so hard. And he knew that he was finished. He, not, no matter what he was able to do, that he would not be able to, make, to finish this race. And just as he was about to just give it all up, he heard a voice beside him. And the voice said, 
hi, and he named him. And he said, I can see that you're in trouble. But you know what? He said, I can help you. I've done this before. And lo and behold, it was his commanding officer whom this young man had no idea was even participating in this, in this event this day. There he was. And he uh, told him, the officer told him, he said, you know what? I'm going to help you. I can, I can share with you some things. And he said, and then I will lead you. And he did. He gave advice. He started taking deep breaths and pacing himself. And he got counsel and guidance from um, his friend, the officer, who was now his best, one of his best friends. And guess what? He made it to the finish line. And they celebrated what was a victory for him. And it was also a victory for the commanding officer because he was able to help this young man achieve what he des so desperately wanted. You know, God has a plan. He has a plan for the world. He has a plan for people, every individual, every inhabitant of the earth, the scripture says. And that plan was basically laid out and described in some, to some degree in the scripture that was read uh, by Rob. And this is his plan for every man. He said um, that, um, um, well, I'm going to read it. <laughs> I thought I could remember it. I'm going to read it. It's found in the 25th chapter here. Um, the, oh, it, the plans of a good man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. And though he falls, he will not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. What that tells me is that God has, a, has when it says man, it's talking about man or woman. That's the way I see it. But anyway, God participates in the life of each and every individual, as well as the whole entire creation he is involved with constantly. And this is something that we need to take note of and remember because it's important to know that there is um, someone who knows everything about us, good and bad. And it's important to remember that because scripture says we are to run the race with endurance that is set, that run the race that is set before us with endurance. Well, what race is that? It's basically the walk through this life. And it's the pathway that God has established since the very beginning. And it leads us to that place of eternal life and peace and safety with the Lord. And that is what we need to keep in mind as our goal. It also uh, lets us know that we are in need of being in relationship with the Lord at, at all times. And it's important that we not get blindsided 
or that we not become blinded by things, circumstances of, of our lives or of the world, and that we get uh, to the place where we um, begin to uh, feel defeat and um, our enthusiasm for our walk, uh, walks of faith begins to fade. And, you know, the, the scripture says that God desires, uh, God made the earth and all of its inhabitants, and he commanded it to come into order. God desires order, and he brings order out of chaos. And lots of times, um, our lives can be filled with that. But it's God's desire to help us to bring order and make some sense of our lives and to establish goals and to achieve those things that are in keeping with his goals and his purposes. And then we can plan and count on the Lord to help us and to walk with us as we walk uh, through the paths of life. We are to love and to honor him and to obey him. All of his commands, it can be any particular command, it can be all of his command, all the commands of scripture. But we are uh, to establish our purposes and to identify our desires and for accomplishment with the purposes and the desires of the Lord. When, it's interesting to note that when the Lord ended his uh, creation at there in Genesis, Genesis, he could have said, hey, this is very good. Or, excuse me. He could have said, this is good. But he didn't say, I ruined, the, I ruined my punchline. He didn't say, uh, this is just good. He said, this is very good. So God's creation in his eyes and in most of our eyes is not only very good, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, it's awesome beyond description. But it's also important to note that God had control at the very outset of creation and God has control today of all of creation. It is in his hands. That is another important aspect of our relationship with the Lord. One of the things that is pointed out in the scripture that I think is interesting is that God says that he watches the inhabitants of the earth from his place of inhabitation and it, he's interested in our hearts because he made our hearts. He established our hearts. And our hearts to be in, are in line with his heart. And that's an important um, point that's brought out in the scriptures that we read there in Psalms 33. It's important that we learn to stay on course. And I believe that one of the... Uh, Scriptures that I like that really point towards this is the very first psalm. And I'd like to read that for you if I could. It says, blessed is the man, here again, man or woman, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of, seat of the scornful. If you'll notice that this is a, in this verse, it, there is a digression here of the, from the pathway that we should follow, that it says uh, the, a wise person here is blessed, 
And that means the, that he enjoys, not just doesn't feel happy, but he enjoys the honor and, and grace um, uh, of the Lord. And uh, it says that uh, he stands, or first it says he walks in uh, the way of, uh, uh, he, he doesn't walk in the way of, in the counsel of the Lord. We know the counsel of the Lord stands forever. But this person walks not in his counsel. He stands in the way of sinners. Instead of walking, he's now slowed down and he's just kind of participating in, in what's going on there with sinners, I guess. And then it says he sits in the seat of the scornful. I mean, he sits right down and enjoys dinner with them. And there you have it. And the scornful are those that say, yeah, yeah, yeah. God says this, yeah, yeah, I don't care. And it's a downward progression. It's like we're running the race, things start to happen, we get tired, we begin to slow down, slow down, and then suddenly we're in trouble. Can't see our feet move. Then we're in real trouble. And so it's important, uh, these concepts are important. And then it goes on to say, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Lord does, it's not a matter of just uh, saying, oh yeah, I believe in God. Or, yeah, I, I think that there is probably a Lord, Lord, and I think there probably, maybe there's a heaven, maybe a hell, I don't know. But it says here that, no, the person that wants to be blessed of the Lord, receive the Lord's blessing. Um, he he uh, is, is interested in meditating and thinking about um, these things. <clears throat> um, it says also that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. That is a part of God's plan for the man who makes wise and woman that makes wise choices. The ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Right there's the end of the, of the race. That is the finish line. Amen. And there, it's a matter of choice. It's a matter of how are we running the race? How are we positioning ourselves to run the race? And uh, chaff is like weeds and leftover stems after threshing grain and it can be blown away by a puff of the wind and so um, we can find ourselves in that position or we can find ourselves standing in the judgment with the righteous and sitting in the congregation standing in the judgment uh, and because the Lord knows our way. 
It is the way of the righteous. But it says, the ungodly shall perish. So there you have it. You take your eyes off the finish line and things start to happen. They can start to happen. And that's exactly what happened at creation with Adam and Eve. They started off walking with the Lord, walking and talking in the cool of the evening. The Lord were, they had direct communication with the Lord and the blessing of that. And then they lost sight of the importance of that blessing, the blessing of relationship with him, because it required following his word, not just partly or like, yeah, that's a good idea, but completely, fully, and holding, saying, yeah, you know, this is the right way. Let's go this way, and let's do these things. But yet they had the opportunity to make a choice, because God created man with choice. You know, if God created man to be a machine, where would the love be? And we are not machines. God allowed for um, good and evil. Why did he allow for good and evil? Why didn't he just make all things good? Well, because he likes uh, the relationship of you choose, you do these things because you choose to do these things. So, <clears throat> you know, Satan, he came to Adam and Eve and he said, hey, you can be just like God. You don't have to follow his way. Just, you know, you just kind of make your own way and you can make your own decisions. I want to be a real person, real. And, you know, that's the same thing that happens to us today. We're, we can be deceived. And what happens as a result of that? Sin, death, suffering, all the things that are listed there in the account of the creation and the garden. It happened in the days of Noah. Noah was a good man. He was a righteous man. He was a preacher of righteousness. But there weren't very many people that were in that category that were listening to him. In fact, God said, hey, I want you to go out and build a, an ark. Now, we're not just talking about a little boat here. We're talking about a ship out in the South 40. And <clears throat> the reason being was... He had laid out his plan for a reset of basically all of creation, except for those who loved and served him. This was a, to be a place of safety. The ark was a place of safety. But can you imagine what it was probably like when people, all the neighbors came by and they said, hey, oh no, he's building a ship out there in the South 40. I think that's pretty ridiculous. You know, sometimes I think we're thought of that way if we're following the Lord and the Lord lays things in our uh, lap to, to know and to do and be responsive. A lot of times I think we can expect to be criticized, not only criticized, but sometimes humiliated, and sometimes we suffer. And... Uh, that's exactly what happened to our Lord. Moses was another uh, man that God had a plan for. He was to become a savior, a deliverer. He was born in a time when young males, he, when the people of God 
were in slavery, they were suffering, they cried out to the Lord. And the Lord responded. He says he heard their cries. And Moses was born during a time of great peril to the lives of young males because the Pharaoh of Egypt, which was a strong nation at that time with a strong military, a lot of might, a lot of power and influence. But we know from from the account of Moses how he was uh, put there and drawn out in a basket, raised by um, Pharaoh's daughter, nurtured by his own mother. And he was able to put together that, hey, there's something wrong with this picture, and I'm going to help these people. He really didn't know God at this point in time in his life, but he was around 40, and he got himself into trouble by trying to follow his plan, which was actually to defend and um, actually kill uh, two individuals. And then when it was found by him that he had been discovered and seen doing this, he was required, it was required for him to flee for his life. He fled into a wilderness. And for 40 years, instead of being what he was trained for in Egypt, which was probably to be a warrior, a commander of uh, an army of chariots and horses that were uh, in that day probably like Abram's tanks are today and that sort of thing. But instead of that, he found himself in this wilderness Hard to find a place for even the sheep to eat eat and find refuge. But that's exactly where he found himself. And for 40 years, God trained him. God said, I want you to... He was changing his heart. He said, I want you to listen. I want you to know, hey, you need to take care of this little lamb right here. He doesn't have a mom anymore. And so here he is, this potentially mighty warrior out there probably with a, some kind of a device to feed milk to an orphan lamb or something like that. But for 40 years, he, were, he was out there. And then one day, he was just doing his thing. And remember, the Lord spoke to him through an angel out of a burning bush. And uh, Moses said, Lord, who are you? And he said, I am that I am. Because God doesn't have, is not known by his names, although he is, there are names for him in the scripture. But what he is known for is he is known for his deeds. He is known for the things that he does. He is known for his creation and his works and all the mighty things he did in delivering, uh, his, in saving Moses and the things that he would do in delivering his people. And he um, introduced himself to Moses. And the first thing he said was, hey, Moses, I want you to take off your shoes because where I am, it's holy ground. And probably Moses was pretty fast getting his sandals off. And then he lays out for him a program, a plan. And Moses said, now, here it is. You know, he's got to run this race. And he said, you know, I can't, Lord... I can't really do this. 
I'm not up to it. I don't have the, I, I, I don't talk good, blah, blah, blah. And the Lord comes up beside him there, I think. And he says to him, now listen here. He said, you can do this because I'm going to help you. I'm going to send you what you need. And he sent him, Aaron, his brother, later Miriam joined him. And all that took place after that in the deliverance of God's people was a story that um, almost everyone knows knows something about. And so uh, that is the way God works. He met Moses, and he's um, and he brought he brought sight to Moses' eyes, so that he could see what God's goal was, and he spoke to his heart so that he could bring his heart in line with God's heart and and understand that, hey, these are not just my people. They're your people. And I am the God of not only all the earth, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And um, so it kind of dawned on Moses that he needed to fall in line here and um, prepare himself to do, um, to participate in God's plan. And what a great leader he turned to be. But you know, even he had his problems like most of us do. And he was not able to enter, cross that Jordan River and enter into that promised land um, that was the goal of all those um, who set out after being delivered from bondage and slavery and suffering. They had their eyes focused, however, not on the gold line and the promises of God, but they began to moan and groan about the, the, all the uh, obstacles in their way. And um, none of them of that generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, none of them were able to cross that Jordan River. And <clears throat> that is what we can find ourselves in in terms of a position as we serve the Lord. We have to have faith because our walk, our run, our course that is set by God, you can't see it with your physical eyes. You have to see it with the eyes of your heart. But God will come alongside of us and he will make that plain so that we can see and understand as we run with endurance the race that is before us. Then the Lord brought into, brought his plan, in, in his plan, he brought into um, the picture our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when he announced the, the arrival of our Lord, he said his name is Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. 
God came in the world to be with us and to be um, our Savior. And we look to the Lord uh, to provide that water that Scripture talks about that allows us to flourish like a luxurious tree that's constantly fed by the rivers of water, it says. And that's what the Lord does for us, does with us. He feeds us constantly. He feeds us through his word. He feeds us through our uh, friends and neighbors. He, frees, uh, he feeds us through uh, our fellow Christians and those uh, that uh, love God and that we associate with. And he speaks to us uh, through his Holy Spirit, of course, now. And uh, so um, Jesus is the one who is leading us on that pathway that we're talking about today. And he leads us through his Holy Spirit. You remember when he, the last thing he said when he departed was, hey, I am not going to leave you um, alone. I am going to send my Holy Spirit to be with you. And he will guide you. He will counsel you. He will comfort you. And um, we seek the uh, wisdom and the counsel and the guidance of the Lord through his Holy Spirit today. And he is faithful to help us. And Jesus is Emmanuel. He's God with us. That means he is that safe place. He's like the ark of the covenant, the ark that Noah built that provided safety to those who were um, able to flee the wrath of God. Um, and so um, that is the way it is. You know, in, in serving the Lord, there's, there's no ribbons and there's no um, advancements in rank. There is identity with the Lord. And a lot, a lot of times we have a really hard time coming to the Lord and bringing our burdens to the Lord and seeking his counsel and seeking his advice so that we will understand his plans for our life. And... Um, so, God becomes a place of safety for us. And what we're looking for in our lives a lot of times is peace and safety and prosperity. And those are the very things that God provides for us when he comes up beside us and walks with us and we walk with him. That's uh, the promises of the, of the Lord. 
He sets us free is the other thing he does. He sets us free from fear. And he sets us, uh, he releases us from the anger of God. And he makes us free to worship and assemble ourselves together and to sense the presence of his Holy Spirit and to um, identify with his community and to remember his, his promises and to, uh, and to look forward to our real home. You know, we're only passing through here. It's, this, is, this world is not our home. Sometimes we get so discouraged, we get burdened down, and we just think, oh, man, I'm not going to make it. Well, we may not, but we will make it to the place where our real home is. And when we get there, uh, we'll know that, we'll know that uh, it was worth the training. It was worth the, uh, all the effort and the, the promises of God. I'd like to share with you another scripture from Psalms that um, speaks to my heart. Uh, it's the request of David to the Lord. And David said to the Lord in Psalms 25, he says, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Wait for what? Wait for his kingdom to come and for us to, to cross that Jordan River and enter into that place of safety and and walk and talk in the very presence of the Lord. Let's pray.